Welcome to the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese with you as we discuss another waiver wire podcast edition of the program. Of course, week seven is now in the books, and we can look ahead to week eight. Uh, Matt, it's pretty crazy. The fantasy season basically is what, like over half done at this point? I don't know where all the time is gone. It's pretty crazy. And uh, I before we get to the waiver wire pickups, of course, I did want to look at some of the some of the developments that have come out, certainly some on Sunday and some in the last couple of days in terms of situations that have now changed that I think do affect fantasy lineups going forward. And one of them, of course, has to do out in Indianapolis. I don't know if you saw this statistic. It was something like dating back to 2018, the Colts have paid, I think it was from Track. the Colts have paid 12 quarterbacks a grand total of like $145 million since the year 2018. Like that's only four years. Some of that does include like dead money paid to Andrew Locke and, you know, the guys like Garson Wentz and Matt Ryan and Philip Rivers all getting paid like gargantuan amounts of money for single years. But uh, of course, the news now is that Sam, and I'm not sure how you, exactly how you pronounce his last name. I think it's Erlinger. But Sam Erlinger is now going to be the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts moving forward. I don't know about you. I, I almost feel like this is just a way for the Colts to save face because clearly Matt, Matt Ryan is now injured. He has some kind of sol- shoulder separation, and he also just hasn't been all that great this year. So it might just be a way for him to like let Ryan gracefully save face as he retires after this year. But uh, Sam Erlinger is going to be the guy going forward at QB and Indy. So that's going to affect basically every single fantasy player. And there are some pretty highly owned ones there in Indy. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a mess, uh, and it's it's Ellinger, I believe. It's Ellinger. Ellinger. Okay. Yeah. Ellinger. So I mean, it doesn't matter because he's not going to be on fantasy rosters anyway. <laughs> um, although I'll be putting a couple of bids on him in uh, in some dynasty leagues for sure because you can never have too many quarterbacks. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's such a mess in Indy. Ever since Andrew Luck retired, it's like they've just not been able to find the guy. And part of the problem is is they just haven't invested the draft capital in finding said player and and so that that is super frustrating but I mean I don't know what this means for for Michael Pittman Jr. Paris Campbell just started to play better as did Alec Pierce and 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 Jonathan Taylor is gonna you know that when you have a quarterback that maybe isn't all that great it really does affect the running game as well because if you're not really a threat to pass they can just stack boxes against Jonathan Taylor and kind of have their way with them. So I'm downgrading Michael Pittman to, you know, like a back end wide receiver too, until we see a little bit more. Although, you know, we could say the same thing for someone like Jerry Judy when Brett Rippon came in and he ended up having a really nice game for the Broncos this past weekend. So it's kind of just a really cautious approach when it comes to the Colts players, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to go get Paris Campbell. Now. I think I still stick with guys like Michael Pittman jr. And Alec Pierce. But other than that, like the tight ends, you weren't touching anyway. Um, just because of the way that they rotate them. Jonathan Taylor is, is still a, should still be considered a, an RB one, but probably more towards the middle end or back end of the RB one conversation until further notice. So it's basically a just wait and see approach with everybody on this Indianapolis offense, because we just don't know what Sam Ellinger is going to do. I mean, it's, it doesn't have a ton of draft capital. This is literally just, let's see what we have in this guy because the season has gone kind of sideways for us. See what we have in this guy. And and if he's not good enough, then we need to invest in, in a quarterback, whether it be in the draft or in a trade. But I can't see a situation where this team goes out and trades for another quarterback this season. Yeah, I would I would be I would be surprised if that's the case, right? I, I just I feel I really do feel like, Matt, when it comes to the QB situation in Indianapolis, basically since Andrew Luck had the shock retirement a number of years ago, is just that they, they just have never gone out and invested 
in a high draft pick. And that might just be the only way for this team to move forward at this point. That was like the only Denver, maybe to a certain degree as well, but they're now tied to Russell Wilson for a really long time. Forever. So, forever. Yeah, for, for the rest of time, essentially, right? So I, I, I am really curious to see what it ends up. Like if, you, if it ends up being, let's say, Jimmy G next year, would anyone be all that surprised? Probably not, right? All things considered. But uh, the Colts definitely have to try something. And hey, like you said, if it ends up being they're just they're just seeing what they have in this guy, then then it's it's probably not the worst case scenario because again, Matt Ryan has been really pretty bad. Let's say let's face it, he's been pretty bad all all, all things considered so far this season. Um, like you said, fantasy wise for the rest of these guys, I don't think I do think it changes the value of basically everyone. Jonathan Taylor is probably the guy. It changes. In my view, the least, and yeah, with Paris Campbell, like I was going to talk about Paris Campbell in the waiver wire pickups, but at this point, and we kind of had this conversation when Joe Flacco got benched, and again, I don't want to say like got benched necessarily because Flacco was always going to be the backup to Zach Wilson, it's just that Wilson got injured in the preseason, but when when Flacco went away and Wilson came in, we were ta- you and I talked about on this podcast that, hey, maybe... You know, maybe in the end, temper expectations for Garrett Wilson, temper expectations for basically every member of this offense, and then Brees Hall goes on a tear, and then now he's injured and is done for the year. But like, it's it just when QB changes happen, it's never. Sometimes things stay the same, and sometimes they change wildly, right? So we saw that with the Jets, and we're probably going to see that with the Colts. So. Picking up Paris Campbell waiver wire wise, I probably you're probably chasing the points if you spend too too much of your fab dollars, let's say, or a high waiver priority on Campbell. So I mean, it's also possible that because you know Erlinger was the uh, the backup for such a long time, maybe he does have some kind of rapport with the lower ranked guys. But I mean, I don't know. That seems kind of like a crapshoot. So until we see how the Colts passing offense kind of figures itself out over the next couple of weeks, then I, I would probably just, <laughs> yeah, downgrade virtually everyone in the uh, in the indie offense. Um, and I mentioned Brees Hall. That's kind of the other situation I wanted to get to with you because, of course, Brees Hall tears his ACL. Really unfortunate. He was such a dynamic runner. You and I were really, really high on him. Uh, coming out of college, and I think a lot of people were because that was clearly reflected in his draft status because he was drafted like in the fifth, sixth round, which is pretty high for a, for a rookie, I would say, who at the time was splitting carries with Michael Carter, and then he just completely took over that backfield. Like, my goodness, he looked so, so good. So he tears the ACL, slight damage to the meniscus as well, so we wish him a speedy recovery and that he's back for uh, draft season next year, which seems pretty likely given that we're in October of 2022 and he'll be drafted in like August of 2022. So here's hoping he comes back full force next season. But uh, in the interim, there was a period of time in like the 12 hours after Brees Hall got injured that it looked like Michael Carter was going to be one of the hottest waiver pickups if he was available at all. And then the Jets go out and trade for James Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So now J-Rob, Matt, is going to be, I don't know, like the necessarily RB1, but it certainly feels like this is going to be yet another, unless things drastically change, it just feels like this is going to be another kind of fantasy quagmire uh, running back by committee that we're going to have to navigate here. Yeah, so the way I kind of see it is James Robinson, to me, is the early down back, and Michael Carter is the passing down back. I mean, listen, I was I was surprised. James Robinson played significantly less snaps this past week, and, and obviously it had nothing to do with the trade because we didn't know that Brees Hall had a torn ACL when both teams were playing at 1 o'clock. But there was some indication given that maybe he it had some something going on with his knee that maybe was uh, causing him some uncomfortability. And having said all that, James Robinson, as far as I know, the deal is official. James Robinson passed the physical, so he's fine. I think you can. I think you can fire up James Robinson as probably like a, a back end RB two with some upside just because we've seen how good James Robinson is. And I know that he's coming off the Achilles injury and I know that, that it isn't always the, you know, the best thing for a running back to come off of. But having said that we, he has a track record in this league. James Robinson is a very good player. And is he as good as Michael Carter in the passing game? No, but he's certainly not. He's certainly not incompetent in that part of the game. And, and he'll be a good addition for the Jets here who 
They want to run the ball. They haven't had a lot of success with Zach Wilson throwing the ball. They want to run the ball. I think that James Robinson is locked into 15 touches a week in an offense that, like I said, wants to run the ball. And and let's face it, in Jacksonville, as much as I love James Robinson, Travis Etienne was always going to be the guy. You and I had that conversation. We were very kind of, well, you know, maybe it's just going to take some time. And, you know, we were very frustrated with the Travis Etienne usage at the beginning of the year. But this is now Travis Etienne's backfield in Jacksonville, as we thought it would be. So it's the it's probably the best case scenario for anybody that has rostered James Robinson because I don't I think based on what we saw this past week, he was probably unstartable. And now you you go from James Robinson is is potentially a drop to James Robinson is probably the starting running back in New York for the Jets, a team that, like I mentioned, wants to run the football, and that's how they want to play. So it's a good spot for him to land. And I think what it does, and we're going to get to a player later where we can maybe talk more about this, but I think James Robinson getting traded has now set the market for, you know, running backs of his ilk that could get traded. We talk about the Kareem Hunts. We talk about uh, Cam Akers, like those types of players that people have been inquiring about, I'm certain, that those, you know, the price is now set. It's not an expensive price. I think it's a sixth round pick that has a condition on it that if he reaches 600 rushing yards, that it becomes a fifth round pick. So it's not a significant amount, but for teams that are looking to maybe make a push that could use some running back help, it's a very interesting price to pay. It's not a ton, and it could be for a guy that ends up rounding out your roster really nicely. So James Robinson in a good spot. Travis Etienne is now absolutely wheels up in Jacksonville. Oh yeah, RB one status probably for Etienne, probably for the rest of the year. I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny we did the buy sell hold thing on this on these podcast editions a couple times to begin the season, like in weeks two, three, and so on. And uh, I think I had asked you about Etienne. I think the very first time we did it, I asked you about Etienne, and you were like, "Oh yeah, he's a hold for sure." And I was, I, I, I asked you that as someone who holds etn in a couple of leagues and i was pretty bullish on him and then i was like oh man like this sticks like he's not being used at all and yeah now there's there's virtually no competition for touches for etn like i don't know how the i mean trevor lawrence himself is always a bit of a uh, he's athletic he moves around pretty well he himself is probably not like in a josh allen lamar jackson type of sense but just at the goal line he is mobile and agile enough to really stuff it across himself so i guess that's just like the smallest of concerns but generally speaking travis Etienne looked pretty good he probably would have had another touchdown this past sunday had he not fumbled like right at the goal line he was like he he busted through the line he was at like the two yard line and got tripped up and I think his arm kind of came off his body like he usually you know running backs usually have the 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 football tucked against their kind of rib cage and his arm came off and then the ball fell out and the, the Giants recovered it so I, I mean look that's stuff you clean up because he's effectively a rookie after missing all of last season but I um I am looking forward to seeing the uh, Lawrence to ETN connection continue from college into the NFL and it certainly looks like it will um I just want to say real quick before we get to the waiver wire stuff Matt I have now experienced the uh, true duality of fantasy football in a couple of leagues. I'm in like four or five different leagues. And in one league, I am two and five after week, week seven is now in the books. I'm the second highest scoring team in the league. And I, am the, I have the second most points against in the entire league. In another league, I am seven and oh, and I have the seventh fewest points in the league and I think I have like the I don't know like the eighth fewest points against or something like it just uh, uh, this year is a particularly weird as we talked about before in the sense that like scoring is down by like two touchdowns a game in every single game across the league or something absurd like that but boy like the fantasy football swings like the highs and lows are crazy I, I must feel like we've both been playing for a, re- a really long time and even so, whenever stuff like this happened, I always like sit back and go, oh my God, I thought fantasy football was supposed to be fun. <laughs> it, play fantasy football, they said. It would be I, fun, they said. And it it has been, you know, I looked even at some of the scores in the leagues that I was playing in this week. And I know that this past week was one of those kind of bye week hells because the Bills were on a bye, the Rams were on a bye, the Eagles were on a bye. Um, and who was the other team that was on a bye? Why am I blanking Vikings? on the other team? The Vikings, yeah. So yeah. lots of fantasy-relevant players, like high-end fantasy 
players that were out and you could see it across the board just and and it's just been a year of you know this doesn't make sense and and what we've seen is we've seen defenses catch up to offenses the rules had changed the rules were hey you know what we want scoring in the nfl we're gonna try and increase that we're gonna call more penalties on the defense that was the mandate Pass interference calls were going to be more. Roughing the passer calls are going to be more because offense sells and defense doesn't. Unfortunately, that's the way it goes. But defensive coordinators and scheming has gotten so good across the NFL that the offensive numbers have fallen, which is why we've seen a decrease in in scoring across the league. And, and what we've also seen is offenses need to adjust. And I wonder if we're going to see that in the second half of the season because that tends to happen as teams start to get figured out. They have to change things up a little bit. But it's also been, in a lot of cases, guys that we weren't expected, guys that weren't heavily rostered. And we're going to get to some of the quarterbacks in our waiver wire conversation here. But that's what's changed. And and I think that I think that this is just what this year is going to be like. It's going to be weird. It's not going to make a ton of sense. You're going to have to play the waiver wire really well, which is why you listen to this podcast so that we can help you out. And I think that's kind of how we need to approach this year. Even some of the guys that you thought were going to be studs or guys that you thought were going to have breakout years, it just hasn't happened. So there's plenty of factors, but defense is catching up to offenses has been kind of the the biggest reason going forward. But I know exactly what you're saying. It's been a weird year in fantasy just with, I score all these points. I have all these points against. It's just, that's the unluckiness of the schedule sometimes. And it's also a reason why, and and I've tried to hammer this point home, and I wish that other leagues would do this, or other other platforms would do this, but Sleeper has it right. I mean, Sleeper has it. I know in CBS, uh, you can do it as well. You do have to pay for CBS to, to have that function. But the function is, I know in CBS, you can play two matchups. So it'd be against one team and then against another team in the same week. So you have two matchups. It kind of eliminates the luck factor. And in Sleeper, you play one matchup against another opponent, and then you play against the league median. So it's another way to to kind of balance out the schedule so that you can avoid that schedule luck or unluckiness, and the good teams really are the good teams in the standings. I really wish that more platforms would do that. I, I have done this before in my fantasy basketball leagues in on ESPN. Like it does, it does a little box you can check, and it's like play, I, think, I forget exactly what it says, but it's like, play two games every week and then there's like a little question mark and if you hover over it it says something like if you if you check this box then you will play two games every week one against your opponent and one against like one one win will be assessed if you are in the top half of scoring of your league or the bottom half of scoring in your league and i and i we did that for fantasy basketball last year and yeah it worked pretty well it worked pretty well so i, I i've never actually looked in the settings in espn to see if you can do it but i mean i i would imagine if they allow it in like the basketball and i think the hockey part of espn allows it too i would guess they allow it in fantasy football but you never know but i do agree i do like that i do very much like that um let's go to our our waiver wire pickups for the week on a lot of them relatively speaking highly owned but i still i think it's worth discussing these guys because Again, bye weeks, maybe they're on people's benches that are going to be dropped because of, of, of roster maneuvering and so on, roster management. So let's get to these two quarterbacks, as you alluded to them. Daniel Jones, rostered in just 41% of Yahoo leagues, and Justin Fields. And again, you are the captain of the Justin Fields fan club. So I, uh, I will leave the Justin Fields stuff to you. You know what, why don't we start with Fields? Because I admit... I think a lot of people had the Patriots as their survivor pool pick. I think a lot of people waited, uh, like myself, to start the Patriots defense on Monday Night Football, and woo, they look they look terrible. The Patriots defense, I, I still have faith against the, in in them against QBs that are not as mobile as Justin Fields, which leads me to believe that you know maybe they'll have an okay game against Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson has some wheels. He can move around. Uh, Josh Allen, I mean, you never start, you're not starting any defense against the Bills anyways, so I mean, like, whatever, but boy, Josh Allen, <laughs> he, he has two matchups against the Patriots defense coming. He's going to rip them a new one, but uh, having said that, Justin Fields was moving all over the field. He looked pretty good. Your notes here, he was QB4 the last three weeks. Uh, should you be going out and spending any sort of waiver wire dollars on Mr. Fields? 
Oh, I think you absolutely should. If you look at just the 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 rushing floor, and I know he's not throwing a bunch, but Justin Fields, in the last three weeks where he is QB4, he's completed 71% of his passes, 51.9% of his passes, and 61.9% of his passes. But the difference here for me is that, yes, he does have two interceptions in those three weeks, but he does have three touchdown passes. He also has the one touchdown uh, running, which he did yesterday in the game. But this is the key for me. In the last five weeks, Justin Fields' rushing total, the lowest rushing total that he's had is 47 yards. He did that twice uh, on eight carries both games. He did it against Houston, and he did it against Minnesota. The last two weeks, Justin Fields has had 88 rushing yards and 82 rushing yards against Washington and New England. The rushing floor is absolutely there. The one thing that I will say about Justin Fields as well is he's starting to look like a more comfortable NFL quarterback. He's starting to make better throws. And I honestly wonder what that what he would look like with a better offensive line, with someone other than... Um, than Darnell Mooney to throw the ball to like he's got he's throwing like the equanimia St. Brown and I like Cole Komet but it hasn't been a good year for Cole Komet partially because of the passing offense but Justin Fields is starting to look better he's had you know the passing yard numbers aren't going to be there this year but what he offers you with a rushing floor like if he if he is only getting 50 rushing yards which is you know that's not a lot but it's still five points for you. And as long as he's not turning the ball over the five points, and if he throws a touchdown, you're into nine points, and then it'll be double digits. So he's he's a good player. The rushing floor is what the key is for me. The Chicago Bears want to run the football. It's going to be David Montgomery. It's going to be Khalil Herbert. It's going to be Justin Fields. And he does have a tough matchup against the Cowboys this coming week. But after that, his next three matchups are the Dolphins, the Lions, and the Falcons. So he has plenty of opportunity to not only do things with his legs, but with his arms against those three defenses after the Cowboys. I'm looking at some of the uh, the stats for him, and yeah, he, he has looked much, much better. I actually own him in a couple of leagues as kind of like my backup QB. And it's funny, like if you would, if like, for example, Lamar Jackson, who is another mobile QB and is obviously very, very good. Like low key, Lamar Jackson has been bad in the last like month, let's say. Right. And like, if you had started Justin Fields over Lamar Jackson, which honestly, like I, I I always say like you, even if the, the end results are not there in fantasy, like there's no sane person who would have benched Lamar Jackson for Justin Fields with the matchups both teams had this week, right? Like there's just no one, no one would have done, like that was still the correct decision, even though in the end Fields outscored Lamar Jackson by like a healthy margin, right? But having said that, if like this keeps up somehow, and I think I had seen earlier today that Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, and offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley, who was pretty important to that offense, all three of them did not practice for the Ravens today on Tuesday. So if that's the case, then if that's if that's something that is still going to be not so great going forward into Sunday's games, then maybe there is a world where you consider not starting Lamar Jackson in in like on like for example this particular weekend, right? So I think it's just those kinds. They're of They're actually things. in the Thursday nighter Baltimore this week. Oh, well, even worse. So something <laughs> to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah even worse. So, so that's the case. So it's it's just and Bra- part of, on the other half of that conversation. Also, Brady is the QB um, on the other side. I want to I want to have that conversation when we get to the end, just before we get out of here. But I um, yeah, it's just some, those are kind of things to monitor. And I mean, Justin Fields is not a backup bad backup option. Another QB who's not a bad backup option, Daniel Jones. We mentioned him, forty one percent owned QB nine on the season. Uh, Daniel Jones is interesting to me because he doesn't not a lot of pass catching options. We talked about Wandell Robinson last week. But at the same time, he provides, even with Saquon Barkley there, he provides a very nice floor because he adds a lot of value with his legs. Like, like honestly, like people don't talk enough probably about how Daniel Jones is talented as a rushing quarterback, like, especially when you have like the conversation about the Jalen Hurts, the Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray's of the world. You don't honestly talk about Daniel Jones, but he is very good with scamper, scampering around with his feet there. Well, I mean, he had 107 rushing yards on 11 yeah. attempts this past crazy. week against Jacksonville and added the touchdown. Yeah, and he's been Daniel Jones again in the same conversation as Justin Fields. He throws the ball a little bit more. 
He, but he's, here's the difference with Daniel Jones this year and then in previous years. How many interceptions do you think Daniel Jones has thrown this year in seven games? Boy, if I had to look, I I'll say this, Matt. I have owned Daniel Jones literally every single year of his career until this year. I was like, I want off this ride. I want I'm off done. the roller coaster ride. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I've owned him in multiple leagues literally every year, and I'm like, no, I'm I'm out. If I had to guess, I knowing that he hasn't thrown a lot, I'm I'm probably gonna guess like five, two. He's two. thrown wow. two interceptions. I don't. I can't see how many fumbles he has, but he has two interceptions. He has three rushing touchdowns, and he's thrown six passing touchdowns. He's thrown three of those touchdowns in the last two weeks against Baltimore and Jacksonville. We're starting to see him creep up. He's completed 66.7% of his passes. This, The way his numbers are going right now, it kind of reminds me of like... like a little bit of rookie year Josh Allen and into second year Josh Allen before the huge breakout in year three. That's what it kind of reminds me of Daniel Jones. And he doesn't have the same arm strength, but that's the type of season that he's having. The completion percentage has gone up. Um, they're, they're allowing him to throw the ball more than they did last year. And I know it's under a, a new coaching regime with Brian Dayball there, but the rushing numbers are starting to get there now. He, in his last uh in his last five games, he has eclipsed 68 rushing yards on three of, three of those five occasions. In the games that he didn't, he had six rushing yards against Baltimore, but he did throw for two touchdowns in that one. He also had 37 in the week against Green Bay, who is a very good defense. That was the game in London. But he ran all over Jacksonville. And and this, this Giants team is way better than we thought the Giants at this point if you told me that they were going to be six and one I would have absolutely laughed you out of the building and if we look at the Giants schedule they have Seattle whose defense is is just barely okay they have the Texans who is very beatable and they have the Lions in the next three games so as the bye week start to come up like Patrick Mahomes is on a bye this week Justin Herbert's on a bye this week you could do a hell of a lot worse than starting Daniel Jones this week and and that's why he's got to be if you have any of those guys or if your quarterback has a bye coming up he's absolutely a guy that you should go out and be targeting of course, I uh, this is the week I am playing Daniel Jones in a number of weeks, so uh, a number of leagues. So I am uh, I'm like secretly hoping for him to stink, but um, you know what? I I try not to uh, and I try not to vocalize that too too much because no fantasy the, gods don't like that. Yeah, yeah, they don't like that. <laughs> exactly, the fantasy gods will smite you if you if you do those kinds of things. So uh, don't you know? Take it take it from me. Don't uh, don't be like me. Um, let's get to the last couple of uh, waiver wire pickups. A uh, trio of running backs and. Actually, you know, I have another running back I want to get to at the very end real quick, but uh, you have a trio here. Gus Edwards is the first one, rostered in 44% of Yahoo Leagues. And uh, look, when someone is rostered in like 40% or more of Yahoo Leagues, or, or just leagues generally speaking, Yahoo or otherwise, it like probably means they are rostered in most semi to pretty competitive leagues, I would guess. But still, if there's like a chance that out there in your free league you joined or whatever that Gus Edwards is available, I wholeheartedly agree, Matt, that you should be running to go pick him up because we saw, like, one of the things we talked about on the show this past Sunday was with Gus Edwards' return, and remember, J.K. Dobbins is on the IR, he's getting the arthroscopic knee surgery, won't return until week, like, 12, 13, and remember, we're we're just going into week 8 now, so that's a full month and a bit away, and even when he does return, will he be effective? Probably not. Maybe are we looking for more of a 2023 return for J.K. Dobbins at this point? It very well might be the case, but if that is the case then Gus Edwards seems to be the guy. Like, Kenyon Drake was basically non-existent. Justice Hill got some run, but, I mean, he also was non-existent. Like, after, and Lamar Jackson had a pretty pedestrian day. Again, the Buccaneers' defense is no joke, so maybe the Buccaneers' defense is not the uh, defense you want to be running out Gus Edwards against. But at the same time, just having him on your roster, I think, is a good idea because... Clearly, the Gus the Bus is uh, pretty talented, and clearly the Ravens trust him. And with the quagmire that is the Ravens running back situation, if you can get one of those guys, given how much they like to run the ball, I think you take it. You do. And and the thing is, is that Gus Edwards, he did get a bunch of the work. Gus Edwards was, he has the most experience in this offense. He had 16 carries. Kenyon Drake 
He had 16 carries for 66 yards and two touchdowns. He was clearly getting the red zone work. Kenyon Drake had 11 carries for five yards. That's that's not good. He averaged half a yard per carry. That stinks. Justice Hill was the more... Uh, he was the better of the backs uh, in terms of Justice Hill and Kenyon Drake. He had five carries for 26 yards. But clearly, Gus Edwards was the guy. And the, and the guy is... He's just... He's just solid. When he plays in games, when he's not hurt, Gus Edwards is absolutely solid. And we talk about, you know, the the Bucks defense. It it's been it's been good, but they just gave up, as I'm counting here, 181 rushing yards to Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. Deonta Foreman had 15 carries for 118 yards. Chuba Hubbard had nine carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. This Bucks team, just in general, I don't know what the heck has happened to them, but they haven't been good. Listen, this is the second week that Gus Edwards is on the waiver wire pod. Last week was the week you should have picked him up. Shame on you for not picking him up when we told you to, because we told you that Gus Edwards was going to be the guy, and he has been. Um, listen, in an offense that wants to run the football, when you can get the number one guy, he his first game back, he had 16 carries. What's he going to do the rest of the way if he stays healthy? I really like the upside here for Gus Edwards. Yeah, I think so too. I think Gus Edwards is, is I mean, is he going to be a top 10 running back this year? Probably not. But at the same time, he is going to be someone who can contribute here and there. And like like you said, Matt, a lot of guys going, going to be on their buys in the next couple of weeks, certainly this week in particular and going forward. And like you mentioned, the Bucks defense, you know, it's a good point you brought up. I, I, in my head, the Bucks rush defense is still a pretty good one, but they did just get gashed by the Carolina Panthers, led by P.J. Walker, of all people, XFL legend P.J. Walker. Also, can I just say that Baker Mayfield has, I mean, I know he's injured, but he has now had his job stolen by PJ Walker. And I mean, that like, that's just, that can't bode well for you. Like, can I just ask you real quick, is Baker Mayfield a bust? He is right. Like it's not, oh, yeah. it's not, it's not a bad thing to call him that anymore. Is it? If, if you get drafted first overall and you are not a pro bowler almost every year, then as far as I'm concerned, you're a bust. And I don't even think he's made one Pro Bowl, let alone multiple. So I think that train I think that train has absolutely sailed. The only time he would have been even close to a Pro Bowl was his rookie year when I believe he broke Andrew Luck's rookie passing touchdown record or tied it. And then he was just he's been kind of horrible ever since. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're right. I, I was just curious. I I, I I tend to I was I had to, I have to admit I I was really rooting for Baker when he got traded out of the Browns because I don't really care for the Browns after the whole Deshaun Watson thing. But uh, and then he just like was bad. He just was bad. And the the moment PJ Walker came in, the offense seemed to move a little better. Also, does that coincide with Matt Rule's firing? Probably to a certain degree, yes. But oh boy, I just not not a great look for uh, for old Baker. Um, you mentioned uh, Deontay Foreman though. We're talking we talk about the Carolina Panthers and he was one of the other guys you wanted to bring up here on the waiver wire pod uh, rostered in 50% of Yahoo League so a lot of people went and rushed to pick him up maybe you grabbed him for free last week off of waivers maybe you picked him up for a pittance because like in one of my leagues like someone got him for like one or two dollars a couple of weeks ago when it looked like CMC might be traded so of course now now you want him because of the of the stats you mentioned but it's it, it still is kind of a split between him and Chuba Hubbard, I know, I think he outtouched him. I think it was 17 to 11 in the end. And uh, Hubbard did pick up a, an ankle injury, although we're led to believe it's relatively minor. Having said that, all things considered, if you can if you can get someone who's going to see any kind of volume, I think if volume-based running back, you can still have him on your bench and maybe spot start him depending on the matchup. Yeah, and and I, I listen. I I was kind of curious to see how this rotation was gonna go, and and Chuba Hubbard ended up playing a higher percentage of snaps, and then left in the in the fourth quarter. So he at the time when he left, he was playing the higher percentage of snaps. However, having said that, Deonta Foreman ended up having the better day, less the touchdown, which we know is a fluke stat. I think either of these guys are rosterable at this point. They don't want PJ Walker to throw the ball a ton would be my guess. The other thing is, is that Hubbard did leave with the injury in the fourth quarter. And that's why I have Foreman here instead of Chuba Hubbard. And and Deonta Foreman, we saw what he did last year with Tennessee 
when he was given the reins of that backfield when Derrick Henry got hurt. He was a very good college player. He had, I think it was an Achilles injury, if I'm not mistaken, when he when he was in the NFL, which really kind of hindered him. But he certainly showed up. 15 carries for over 100 yards against what we all thought, even going into this week, was a really good Bucks run defense. And they these two guys pretty much made them look like Swiss cheese. So Deonta Foreman, he's not at the top of my list. Like if, if Gus Edwards is there, he would be at the top of my list because I think he's the clear running back to, to roster in Baltimore. I do think that Deonta Foreman is going to be a really nice bi-week fill-in. And listen, if you have him on your roster and he starts to ball out every week, then, then you start him. And at that point, it's kind of found money because you'd hope that you have you know maybe two solid running backs. And then if you get another guy that's going to put up double-digit points for you in your flex position as a running back that has touchdown upside, I think that's a pretty good payoff. Absolutely, yeah. If you, if you can get... Anyone with upside going into week eight that you can grab for like a, not a lot of waiver dollars, I would imagine. I think that's the thing. I'm not I, again. I will say I'm not advocating to blow your entire waiver wire budget um, on on Foreman, for example. Like, like if you had to pick one of the guys we've talked about, I'd rather you do that for Gus Edwards versus down to Foreman. But I mean, he's still clearly very talented, but and, and has a place on your roster. But yeah, it's it's all upside, I think, at this point because of the offense. And I mean, there, maybe there's a chance more trades happen for the Carolina Panthers before the end of the season. Um, one guy that I think there, there's a possibility this next player is affected to a certain degree by any sort of trade is Kyron Williams, who is rostered in 33% of Yahoo leagues. Kyron Williams, of course, uh, running back for the Los Angeles Rams. And it, I feel like the hype train for Kyron Williams was derailed. It was like maybe like in one hour, maybe like less than that, Matt, because he, before the season started, everyone was like, oh man, maybe you should pick up Kyron Williams. And then he got like a high ankle sprain in like literally the first 10 minutes of the first quarter of game one. And then he was placed on the IR and that's where he's been. He's still on the IR, I think right now. I believe the 21-day window for him to be activated to, to go back to the active roster uh, is about to begin. So if, if you're looking ahead, if you're like well-positioned enough to be able to roster Kyron Williams, or you can maybe you can stash him in your IR spot if you have one, or you have room on your bench if it's not a super short bench, I definitely recommend going to pick him up because there is a real chance, now that the Rams are back from their bye, there is a real chance in the not-too-distant future that Kyron Williams overtakes certainly uh, Darrell Henderson Jr. It doesn't look like Cam Akers. Looks like, I mean, it looks like Akers' career in Los Angeles is probably done. So maybe he gets traded. There was the rumor that Akers was a part of a potential offer by the Rams to the Panthers for Christian McCaffrey, who, of course, ended up accepting the 49ers offer instead. So if Kyron Williams is available and you have room, I definitely recommend stashing him. And you can probably get him for free, if not a couple of dollars right now. Well, I did go to look in our work league, and I realized that you had already had him stashed, so good for you, Matt, show. Matt, I and literally stashed me. him. I stashed him in week one. Like, literally in week one, I put him away, and I just and I like forgot about him. I just left him there. And that That's <laughs> the smart way to go. I did that with Tyquan Thornton and Greg right. Dolchich. I mean, you have to do those things. I'm pissed that I didn't stash Guts Edwards because I did it in so many other leagues. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Listen, Kyron Williams was really good in college with Notre Dame. I'm a Notre Dame guy, so I'm a little bit biased here, but Kyron Williams had 1,125 rushing yards and 1,002 rushing yards his last two years at Notre Dame, where he had 27 rushing touchdowns in those two years, 13 as a sophomore, 14 as a junior. But this is the key for me with Kyron Williams. He had 35 catches in 2020 and 42 catches in 2021 with Notre Dame for receiving touchdowns in those two years. Kyron Williams is a very, very versatile running back and he can be utilized in multiple different ways. The fact that he is one of the better pass catchers out of this draft class bodes well for him because he's better than Daryl Williams, Daryl Henderson at that, at that. Okay. So that's, so that's where I kind of sit with Kyron Williams. Daryl Henderson has been a good running back in the NFL. I wouldn't say he's been anything special. So there's an opportunity here for Kyron Williams to make noise. I think I read that Sean McVay said he's probably about a week out from from being, 
you know, activated from that 21 day window. So there's still some time here and you're right. It is, it is coming up very shortly where he can be activated and they do have to act it, activate him within 21 days of opening that window or else he's done for the season. Kyron Williams could end up being a league winner for you at the end of the season, especially as the injuries start to mount, because we know that that's going to happen. And and if there were to be an injury to Daryl Henderson, which um, last time I checked, he's not the beacon of health for running backs. I think that this could be a really, really solid pickup and you have to get ahead of it now or else you're not going to be able to get him as that window closes. Get him on your roster, stash him on your IR and reap the benefits once he comes back. Yeah, I definitely, I, I'm really hoping he's he's good. May, I mean, I think the hope for me in our 14-team work league is over, and we're not doing keepers this year, so I guess it like, won't really matter in the end, but I'm I'm just, I think at this point in those kind of situations, I just live to be correct, so I'm just I'm just happy. I'd be happy if he plays and is okay, even if it doesn't matter in the end, so, um, but yeah, I think he, 33% owned means that he definitely is still available in some leagues. Clearly that ownership creeping up because people have some kind of expectations for them, like you were just discussing based on his play in Notre Dame and based on all the coach speak right like all the reporters who cover the Rams and and kind of trying to parse the coach speak from what is in truth will happen from out of the mouth of Sean McVay it's it's hard it's not an easy thing to do and I think you are to a certain degree like kind of rubbing the match gate ball a little bit but certainly I think Kyron Williams is um there's definitely some potential there um the last guy I wanted to get to with you before we get out of here Matt is Tyler Allgaier from the Atlanta Falcons he's owned in 40 percent of Yahoo League. So, you know, like in the same general uh the same general range as Foreman and Edwards as we've been talking about, but a little a tiny tiny bit lower owned than Gus Edwards at 40% versus Edwards 44%. I just want to say this. Uh this crushes the value of Drake London and certainly uh, our guy Kyle Pitts, but this is a game in which early on the Atlanta Falcons were trailing the Cincinnati Bengals by 21 points. They ended up losing this game by 18 points and even so there was a 29 to 13 run to pass ratio basically all game. Like there is there is not one situation in the NFL we have now learned that Arthur Smith will not run the ball in. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter what the what the situation is, what the distance and down is. It honestly does not matter. And uh, Tyler Allgaier seems to be the guy at least for one more week. And that's why I wanted to bring this up with you because I believe Cordell Patterson isn't eligible to return until week nine. So Allgaier, who outtouched uh, Caleb Huntley, I believe by quite a lot. I think uh, I, I forget what the numbers are here, but it says here. Oh, here we go. Sixty-two percent of the offensive snaps went to Tyler Allgaier versus Caleb Huntley. So at least for one more week, if he is available on the waiver wire, you can go get him and probably have a low to mid-tier RB two. Where are you at on? How much fab dollars you should be spending to acquire someone like Allgaier who sees a lot of carries but probably will go back to being a backup after week eight? The only reason why I would maybe spend a little bit more, like maybe 10% of my fab budget, the only reason why is that Arthur Smith clearly loves to ruin fantasy football. Like Arthur Smith is actually the worst (laughs) human being ever. Uh, In terms of fantasy football – Arthur Smith doesn't need football. Arthur Smith, his dad, I think, started FedEx or something like that. So he's got like a billion dollars in the bank. Yeah, Yeah. like there's, yeah, he's, Arthur Smith has a lot of money waiting for him. So he is single-handedly ruining the Atlanta Falcons. It's almost as if Arthur Smith believes that he has some form of Derrick Henry on his team like he had when he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. Anyway, that's enough of my rant on, on Arthur Smith and how he's the worst. Um... Clearly, they just want to run the ball. So if if Cordero Patterson comes back and he gets 15 carries, if they're going to run the ball 30 times, I would assume that Allgaier is going to get the ball at least 12 to 14 times. I would assume that that's the case. Listen, the numbers aren't great. The last three weeks, he's had 45 rushing yards, 51 rushing yards, 50 rushing yards. His highest yards per attempt was 3.5, and that was week five against the Bucs, uh, a game a game in which was a lot closer than anyone had expected. He has the one touchdown on the season. He's, he's only had uh, two targets, which he's turned into two catches for 25 yards. I mean, it's a really low... If, it, it feels like the floor is like five points, six points maybe, uh, if, you're, if you're looking at rushing yards here. 
It's just he's getting the volume. It's just not turning into much. It's probably more of a, a, a punt play, you know, flex just because of the volume. Like if you can get somebody that's getting, you know, double digit touches in your flex spot, especially with the bye weeks that are that are upcoming, then yeah, that's fine. But they just want to th- they just want to run the ball. They have no interest in throwing. It's a complete disaster. I don't know why Desmond Ritter hasn't been put in at quarterback. Like it is a complete mess. And Allgaier is is kind of the the beneficiary of it being a big mess. And we don't know what Cordero Patterson is going to look like when he comes back from the injury. We don't even know if he's actually going to be ready once he is eligible to come off the IR. So there's also that as part of the conversation and and. Just based on volume, I think it's a guy that you probably should roster, especially if you have running back issues. If you don't have running back issues, then you should not be going out to get Tyler Allgaier and just leave him on the waiver wire. Let somebody else have that problem. But if you have a if you have a running back issue, you should pick him up as a speculative ad just because he's getting the volume right now. And that could continue when Cordero Patterson comes back. Yeah, and again, Cordero Patterson is scheduled to return off the IR in week nine, but like you said, is he going to be effective right away? Does it take a couple weeks to ramp up? This is an offense that just loves to run, run, and run the ball some more. So if that's the case, there's probably always going to be some kind of role for a guy like that on your fantasy team. It's just, he, it's, it's one of those guys that like exists in the can't always start him, but you don't really want to drop him so someone else gets him kind of camp. But yep. and hey, I mean, like if you mentioned the floor for him, if it's like five, six yards, five, six points, pardon me, then I think you. I think, like, this is the kind of year where offense is so wacky that I think you might as well hold on to a guy like that because often you like, often six points out of your flex is like, oh, especially this year, you're like, oh, yeah, sign me up for six voids, right? Like, that seems to be the case for a lot of guys this year. So, yeah, I'm I'm all in on, on maybe not all in, but I, I do I do definitely like me some, uh, some Tyler Allgaier with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, that kind of does it for our waiver wire portion of this episode. Uh, Matt, because uh, the Thursday nighter will obviously take place before we're back on the air on Sunday morning, and again, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the Sportsnet Radio Network, I do want to get to the Thursday nighter, and I want to, I just want to ask you a simple question, because we talked about Gus Edwards and his place in the pecking order and so on, so we don't have to go into this too, too much, but I just want to ask you one thing. Should we be starting Tom Brady? Like, what the hell is going on with Tom Brady? Like, do, did, did Giselle Bundchen curse him? Like, has he been cursed? Like, fantasy-wise? I just, what do you do with Tom Brady? Because he put up he, another stinker, another, like, two weeks in a row where you're like, oh, man, what a juicy matchup, and he just completely does not deliver. And, like, I'm in, the, I'm in a boat, and I bet a lot of people are in the same boat, where I have the choice of starting Brady in a 2QB league or Geno Smith. And I uh, and the projections are relatively similar, but I feel, I, it's crazy to say I feel more confident in starting Geno Smith over Brady this weekend. As you should. Um, I was also the one that said, oh, this matchup was supposed to be last week. You know, <laughs> right. the, the Steelers were terrible. They had everybody out, and, oh, this is going to be it for Tom Brady. And he stunk. And then I said, oh, J.C. Horn might not play. And, oh, my God. I do believe that if Mike Evans catches that touchdown, that wide-open 75-yard oh, touchdown, brutal. that we're having a different conversation. But I will tell you this. No, you cannot start Tom Brady over Geno Smith. You just can't. Geno Smith has been putting up the numbers. He has 11 touchdowns to three interceptions. Tom Brady still only has eight touchdown passes in seven games. I know that he has... You know, the only thrown the one interception. He he's thrown for more yards than Geno Smith has. But Tom Brady, that offense is just not the same. I would not be starting him. I, I really, I'm just like if if I have a better option, like if my if my if it's Tom Brady or maybe it's Jared Goff or if it's Tom Brady or Marcus Mariota, I'm probably starting. I'm probably starting him, but listen, show this is a week. And I can't believe that I'm saying this just because they've been so good. Even this late in their career, this is a week where I'd be probably be sitting Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. That's crazy. That's crazy. Honestly, like Aaron Rodgers is coming off an MVP. I know they lost Devontae Adams, but that offense is a mess. Ooh, yeah, the terrible. Tampa Bay offense is a mess. And Aaron Rodgers, as much as he is my favorite player that is not on my team, the Buffalo Bills, he gets the Bills this week. I would be sitting Aaron Rodgers everywhere. Are they playing in Buffalo or are they playing Green Bay? They are. They're playing in Orchard Park. Okay. So good luck. Yeah, and the Bills luck. coming off of a bye. 
Good luck. Yeah, I I I, uh, I, I know there are, there are a lot of Packers fans, like both at Sportsnet and generally speaking, like in the GTA, who I'm sure will make the trek down with a lot of Bills fans in the GTA, who I'm sure oh, will yeah. make the trek as well uh, down down across the border. I I gotta say that is going to be a one hostile environment, and b like I don't know how much tickets cost, but I bet that's going to be a pretty expensive uh, expensive trip. To see the, the the Rogers and the Packers get like ritually sacrificed to Josh Allen and the fans at Orchard Park, like that that place is ruthless. Like, I've been there a couple times to watch some Patriots games. I went down there last year or a couple of years ago before the pandemic. Um, time times a flat circle, Matt. Um, but I went there before the pandemic to watch with some of my pals to watch uh, the Saints play the Bills. And even though the Saints won that game, like man, Bills fans are ruthless. So I I am uh, very much looking forward to that game. By the way. I uh, will say the last time I went down to Orchard Park, I believe at the time it was called New Era Field. I don't actually know what the stadium is called now. I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but um, uh, the last time I went High, down, Highmark, I think it's Highmark Stadium now. I think Highmark, okay, Highmark Stadium. But it yeah, was like Highmark the Ralph, it was Ralph Wilson Stadium for a long time. The New Era, now it's Highmark. It'll always be the Ralph to me. Yeah. It will yeah. always be the Ralph to me. That's definitely like the easiest way to remember it. Like the yeah. Ralph, it just, it's the, you know, instead of like blank corporate field, <laughs> right? So, uh, but I will say, uh, I always kind of thought that fans jumping through tables the while on fire was kind of like a, not an urban myth, but like something the like media, like ESPN and, and like NFL Network kind of played up. It is absolutely a thing that happens like hundreds of times when you're tailgating on game day. Like I was at, like, honestly surprised. I don't know if like, you, I'm sure you've seen it because I'm sure you've been down there a lot more than I have, but man, man I, people do it a lot. Like good for those fans because that's not an easy thing to commit to. <laughs> so I, I can honestly say that I've never seen it live. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and I've tailgated down there more than my fair share of times. I've never actually seen it. I've never done it because my wife said, if you jump through a table, you're an idiot. Um, I'm still trying to do – I still got to make like a, a table out of like styrofoam to break my newborn daughter through it to baptize her into Bill's Mafia. So that's going to be coming. Um, but me going through a table, like I want to do it. But I'm also way too cheap to buy a table just to break it. Just to smash it, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> They're not yeah, I cheap. Feel, I feel like you'd have to like in in some part like sabotage it, like you know, like just like, saw saw through it a little bit. So when you land on it, it for sure breaks. That's what that maybe that's cheating, but you know what? I mean, I, all right, maybe if you're jumping off a car or something like that, maybe it'll do that anyways. But anyways, that was my experience, and like the two times I've been down to the Ralph in the last like five to six years. But uh, yeah, hey, Packers, Bills, that's going to be a good one this weekend. We talked about Ravens and Buccaneers. It's a pretty fun uh, Thursday nighter. And I mean, the way, way, you know, I, I like to think that it's a good matchup on paper. But because it's on Thursday night, it'll probably be like a like a nine six field goal fest where the only scorers are Justin Tucker and Ryan Suckup. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, on it's Thursday gonna be night. it's gonna be a nightmare. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. All right. Well, good luck to everyone's fantasy teams this week. Good luck to the waiver wire pickups. Uh, you can always text us at five ninety five ninety. Name and location for the people's text line every Sunday morning from eight to ten a.m. Eastern. We always take all of your text line questions, whether they're on the air or off the air. We will answer every single one of your text line questions. So looking forward to that. That's Matt Marchese. I'm Show Ali. You've been listening to The Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.